Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Remember, you can keep up to date with the latest martial arts movie reviews and interviews and profiles and also the latest episodes of the podcast by logging onto the website. The website is www.kungfumovieguide.com. And remember, if you like this podcast, why not tell a friend and help to spread the word? We are on iTunes and you can subscribe to us via iTunes and that way you'll never miss an episode. And you can keep up to date with the Kung Fu Movie Guide on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at KF Movie Guide. We are also on Facebook, and if you want to drop me an email, just send an email to hello at kungfumovieguide.com. Thank you very much for downloading. Thank you for listening. This is episode six of the podcast. Here we go. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world. Thank you so much for downloading, listening to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. My name is Ben Johnson. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope you're doing good wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening to this. I hope you're uh, having a lovely time. Listen, we've got Richard Geddes on the show today. Uh, Richard works for the UK DVD label Terracotta Distribution. Um... And he's worked there for a number of years. Uh, Terracotta Distribution came about off the back of the Terracotta Film Festival, which has been running since 2008. Terracotta is a label which promotes Far Eastern films in the UK. Uh, They do this by running exclusive screenings of the latest titles. They do competitions. They run a monthly newsletter, which is really worth checking out and signing up to if you haven't already. Uh, and they also do the Terracotta Film Festival. It was founded by Joey Long, and the Terracotta Film Festival was designed to highlight the best Asian cinema, uh, and not just action movies and kung fu movies, but also, you know, everything from Chinese independent cinema to Japanese horror films to movies from the Philippines and Indonesia and Vietnam and Korea, all across the board, really, uh, with regards to uh, uh, Far Eastern movies. And Richard is someone who's very passionate about uh, Asian cinema, and it's great to just sit and have a chat with him about uh, where his love of Asian movies comes from and uh, where that originated. A big part of his role at Terracotta is to acquire titles and uh, release them on on UK DVD here and also promote them. And obviously he's picking titles that he believes are going to sell. But he watches a lot of different movies and uh, and puts a lot of titles forward. Uh, everything from uh, horror movies to crime, comedy, anime. Terracotta also run an imprint label, which is called uh, Terracotta. That's their horror imprint. Uh, And that's great as well. They've got a lot of exciting titles there. So it's not all uh, just martial arts movies. Uh, Go to their website, terracottadistribution.com, and you can uh, click through the catalogue there and have a look at some of the vast array of titles that they do have available. So a few years back, uh, Terracotta released their classic Kung Fu collection. And so far, they've got five titles on the list so far, uh, reviews of which you can find on the website, kungfumovieguide.com. So the titles so far are Hero of Shaolin, uh, that's an Alexander Lowe movie, uh, a pretty mad one at that, and uh, Shanghai 13, the classic Shanghai 13, the Chang Chen movie, uh, an all-star uh, cast for that one. It's a sort of uh, Shaw Brothers movie, not done at Shaw Brothers, uh, and that's quite exciting and worth checking out. King of Fists and Dollars was the third title they released on the classic Kung Fu collection imprint, and f- that was quickly followed by the Dragon Snake Fist, which is uh, a Dragon Lee title uh, and an early Godfrey Ho movie, uh, which is 
exciting. And most recently, they have released a film called The Nine Demons. That's another mad Chang Che movie following on from his, his work with the Venoms crew. So uh, that's great. They're the titles they've released so far. And Richard takes a lot of care in, in presenting the Kung Fu movies as best as possible. They've got some really beautiful packaging uh, and some really nice artwork as well. Really good design. Toby Russell is involved in supplying quite a bit of the uh, original artwork and some of the DVD extras as well, interviews with a lot of the main cast and crew. Uh, and it's just generally a really good collector's item for, for anyone who's a fan of these old school kung fu movies. Richard is very much uh, sort of uh, flying the flag for that in the UK at the moment because, let's, let's be honest, there's not really much of a choice when it comes to um, uh, DVD labels anymore uh, in the UK. So I talked to Richard quite a bit about what it's like to run a, uh, an independent DVD label, particularly in this day and age where uh, there's so many online streaming websites. And we talk a little bit about that and obviously online piracy and uh, how you know so many kung fu titles are available online at uh, just a click of a button but um, the kung fu movie fans particularly the old school kung fu movie fans are are particularly loyal I think and uh, and definitely you know demand a, a good product and I, I believe that Richard and uh, the, the guys at Terracotta are really uh, striving to provide that for that audience. In the UK, since Toby Russell and Ricky Baker's really hard work uh, under the Eastern Heroes label, uh, they sort of champion this idea of really putting together uh, a, a great product with, uh, you know, great video design and a lot of uh, interesting liner notes. And it was really helped to introduce a number of rare titles and and cultivate quite a big following here in the UK. So we talk about the hard work that obviously they were doing under under that label, then later into the Hong Kong Legends DVD label, which was which was fantastic as well. But ever since then, it's 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 not been easy to get hold of these great products and and particularly trying to make money from it as well. Which which is obviously you know any any label is is striving to do that. And and now that the market has shifted online, obviously that's that's made that slightly trickier. You find a number of the classic Golden Harvest titles are quite readily available on DVD here in the UK and also uh, Shaw Brothers as well have, have started putting quite a few of their titles on on Netflix and um, there's a few titles there on DVD but uh, still for some of the rarer kung fu movies it's they're still quite difficult to get hold of in a in a nice uh, sort of package nicely designed and a good print as well because um, you know that's half of the trouble is is finding a decent print of a lot of these classic films. And someone like Richard and the Terracotta label in, in, in releasing a lot of the classic Kung Fu movies are obviously uh, putting themselves in a marketplace where, where they're forced to compete against uh, a lot of the torrents uh, websites and a lot of the illegal streams and even YouTube as well. There's there's um, uh, Kung Fu titles, uh, feature films on, on YouTube as well. So in this day and age, it's even more important, I think, to to, to really support uh, the efforts of the uh, indie labels and um, and the people who are going out of their way to really champion uh, this kind of uh, product and also, uh, you know, package them up in a way that the fans would would really appreciate. So uh, that's what this um, podcast is all about. And it was great to sit with Richard and have a chat about all of all of that stuff. In other news, in the world of kung fu movies which never sleeps, as we all know. Jackie Chan has been honoured with uh, an Academy Award for his extraordinary achievement in film. So this was a nice little story that um, uh, came out last week. Jackie Chan is actually the first Chinese person in history uh, to win this award. Uh, and it's great. At the age of 62, he's, he's finally got this recognition from uh, the American Academy of Film. And he will be honoured with this award at a special Governor's Awards due on November the 12th. Uh, Jackie Chan, obviously, uh, beloved Kung Fu star. Uh, I think anyone listening to this was probably brought up watching the films of Jackie Chan and um, uh, really feels indebted to all the years of entertainment that he has provided. He's 62 now. Uh, the first film he made was when he was eight years old. He's appeared in over a hundred movies, and it's long overdue, I think, that he's got uh, this 
great lifetime achievement awards and the international recognition that that comes with that so that's really great news congratulations to Jackie Chan and long may he continue he's still there kicking about jumping around uh, at the age of 62 there was footage of um, him filming on the roof of the Sydney Opera House I don't know if you saw that recently in the news and um, that's for a film called Bleeding Steel uh, so he's still out there doing his thing and that is wonderful to see so congratulations to the master the legend that is Jackie Chan I wanted to flag up another thing Jean-Claude Van Johnson I hope you've all seen it you've all gone on to Amazon and seen the first the pilot episode um this is a very funny send up of his action hero persona uh, and he's really great at doing this kind of deadpan delivery we saw him give a sort of knowing performance in the film JCVD which actually had quite uh, uh, an interesting uh, sentimental undertone to it i know a lot of people uh, drew, drew parallels with the Mickey Rourke film the wrestler when JCVD came out with Jean-Claude Van Damme playing uh, a sort of uh, has-been version of, of himself. A very interesting role for him to take up. And uh, this Amazon pilot as well, it's like another interesting career move uh, for Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, if you haven't seen it, log on to Amazon, check it out. Uh, it's their pilot season, so that essentially means that if you leave enough po positive feedback on the Amazon website, uh, then potentially that could be uh, launched into a full season. So uh, that's really good. If you do check it out and enjoy it, leave a comment. It would be great to see more episodes of Jean-Claude Van Johnson. Uh, it's as silly as it sounds. Uh, definitely go and watch that. And I wanted to flag up the birthday, the surprise birthday party for Gordon Liu. Um, Gordon Liu is, uh, has just turned 65 and he had a big surprise birthday bash on August the 22nd. You can go online and see photos of that. Gordon Liu, of course, is the star of um, so many wonderful uh, Shaw Brothers movies from uh, 36th Chamber of Shaolin, probably his most uh, famous performance, and more recently uh, his work as Pai Mei uh, and as the leader of the Crazy 88 in Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill films. Um, Gordon Liu had a stroke five years ago, which has limited his uh, speech and his mobility. But judging by the photos of his 65th birthday bash, uh, where he's uh, singing... Uh, into the microphone and at one point playing uh, an electric guitar by the looks of things it looks like he's uh, uh, happier and healthier than he than he has been for a very long time and that's really great to see um, so I just wanted to flag up and say uh, happy birthday to Gordon Liu and we're wishing him all the best from the Kung Fu Movie Guide. Okay without any further ado here we go here's my chat with Richard Geddes from Terracotta Distribution. <laughs> So just explain that film festival, that first one you were involved in. Who, what were the types of people who were, were going to it? How long did it last? Where were they showing the films? It was just around London. So usually we'd be at the Prince Charles Cinema. Yeah. That would be our, our main hub, as it were. The first time I did it, it was um, it is mostly you know, London-based male usually yeah. English, you know, it's not really aimed at like an expat or like migrant audience. Not to say that we don't want to reach them, but what you'll often find is that um, maybe people have already seen it from other means if they've got connections to other territories. Sure. You know? So it's more for people that are interested in Asian cinema that really wouldn't have the chance to see it otherwise. You also just get cinephiles or you get... Uh, people that are just very much into a particular type of it so if you did have a martial arts film then you would bring out a martial arts crowd that wouldn't watch the horror films but then we'd have a horror strand that would just bring diehard horror fans that mm. otherwise probably wouldn't watch Asian cinema and that was a good way for them to get into it and you're showing films that aren't just under the terracotta distribution label are you you're just collecting movies yeah absolutely the majority of them will not be released by us most of them will not get released or shown here yeah. at all that could be because they're either not really commercially viable for for the audience or or you just you know some there's difference between what you'd acquire for a festival and for actual release because you can show very experimental stuff at a festival because it is a different audience 
compared to your kind of the DVD buying. buying. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's yeah. a different market, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the beauty with putting on a film festival like that is that it does sort of shake up people's expectations. What we were talking about earlier about you know if people only think Hong Kong produced kung fu movies, yeah. You know, here's a whole variety of different genres of movies that you may not even have known that these countries were producing. No, absolutely. I mean, we. Reality is, we probably make more money if we simply just, you know, pigeonhole it to what, like, here's, sure. here's a load of Bruce Lee films, yeah. and, you know, yeah, here's yeah, a load yeah. of, load of uh, you know, zombie films sure. or what have you, yeah. and, and that's it. But, you know, the idea is that, you know, you hook people in with what they know they're into, and then you show them something that they didn't know they were missing out on. Sure. But, you know, and that's the way it's happened for us. You know, we we were all brought into Asian cinema through whatever reason, reasons by stuff that was available to us here. Once you start going to film markets and seeing stuff that's also being released like wow it's, you know, I never knew that this kind of market yeah. existed yeah um, and so what what sort of element of uh, involvement do you have in acquiring the films for the film festival then are you very much you all sit around together and you have certain targets of films you want to show at the film festival and is yeah. that how that works yeah kind of I mean we'll have a loose idea of what we want if, if say we know how many slots we've got that's a good way to break it down like okay we can show 14 films from Thursday to Monday yeah and then the other things that you might drop from the uh, from your programming criteria it might be that the film actually wasn't nearly as good as you expected it to be <laughs> so or, you, that has happened before oh yeah that, that happened loads yeah. of times you know can't mention things but you have an, an idea of something you want to show and then it turns out just to be really not very good or then it can be the other way something you never heard of finds its way yeah. in, in, into your lap and you love it you know this happened I think on the second time I did the festival I wasn't involved in the programming at this point but um, some of my colleagues were out in Hong Kong and you know they, they met a guy uh, an Australian guy who'd been living in China and made a film called Red Light Revolution. Um, we watched it, really liked it, showed it, brought him over, and you know it won the audience award that year. Like a, a sex shop comedy set in China sure. you know, by an Australian director. Yeah, and you know it was it was a full house, about three hundred people. Everyone absolutely loved it, and you know that's the kind of thing that you do this kind of thing for. But then we released the film, and um, you know when we sent it out to film reviewers. They weren't of the same like belief as our audience. They just didn't really seem to get it. Yeah. And um, yeah, the film it, it did all right, but it's like you know we had like really high hopes of it, kind of introducing people to like Mandarin language comedies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, no one's really seen them because most like especially mainland China production is very local, and yeah. you know the comedy doesn't often translate. Whereas sure. this, a lot of it was quite physical, uh, very British in its in its way of thinking. You'd really think it could have. Taken over, uh, taken off well, but um, you know it. Was it popular amongst? I mean, those when you see films like that, you are you are targeting targeting them mostly to Western audiences. Then is that is that right? Or you? It is, but it's like a very specific Western audience. It's mm. not your kind of. Um, it's just not a mainstream audience, is all, is all I can really say. So yeah. yes, it is Westerners. It's maybe your more well-travelled Westerner that's interested in other cultures maybe sure. language students or you know someone yeah. that you know happened to go to a Korean restaurant and saw your poster and thought oh I've never seen a Korean film you know very kind yeah, of sure. niche and quite quite random really it's like the average person on the street doesn't even really know that they're missing out on Asian cinema because it just doesn't find its way into their, their yeah. conscience you know it's and is it because their perception of these films is quite narrow? Do you do you, do you think that? Like as you it's say, a Mandarin comedy. Just is the, the films. It's, it's, I think it's like it can be the, the culture in general. That's um, you know, uh, part of the appeal of, of you know maybe Asian culture can also be what turns off people in the fact that it is seen as very alien and unusual and quite esoteric. So it's like that can really draw you in if you care for it. Or you can just completely dismiss it because you don't understand it. And, you know, you're not wrong for doing that. If it doesn't grab you, it's yeah. just not going to grab you, I guess. Yeah. And, and I guess the subtitling thing is a big issue, isn't it? The foreign language thing. It, I mean, it, I know it's a silly and it's an obvious thing, <laughs> um, but people generally don't yeah. like films that are subtitled. It is silly. It's silly to me. I've always watched subtitled films, but, you know, the majority of people do not like to watch subtitled films. Yeah. I mean, you can also get the other side of that is that if you end up with some 1970s kung fu film which I'm sure we'll go into and you've only got the English dub available oh I really want the Mandarin version oh yeah. that burnt down in a fire 25 years ago sure yeah but, um, but yeah you're right it, you know for uh, a mainstream audience subtitles do turn people off but um, 
it is quite strange though because you know you've got um, cinemas here that will cater to a more open-minded audience who will happily watch a European film, maybe watch a, an Iranian or Turkish or other kind of language film if it's seen as in vogue. If you try and get them to come and see a Chinese or Korean film, all of a sudden, you know, and that's not down to subtitling, that's just down to maybe just not liking the look of the poster. Maybe it might be the fact that they associate it with something more lowbrow. Maybe they see the man's face and assume it's going to be a silly action film yeah. or something, I don't know, but yeah. it's... Yeah, it, it, is, be... it is an interesting one, isn't it? Because yeah. if you think the big subtitled hits, I mean, say a movie like The Raid yeah. is a very good example. I mean, that really crossed over into you know a mainstream culture. It was getting five star reviews from broadsheet newspapers, and it was a yeah. real. It was seen as like it's a Far Eastern action movie, which yeah. is what they'd expect. I mean, you can. It's similar with things like. Um... Was it District District Nine? Was sure, it? you yeah. know, just you get these crossover hits. That can appeal a bit, a bit it's wider. Rare, it's rare, though, isn't it? Rare. Well, it is rare, but with the Raids marketing campaign, you know, the trailer didn't show any dialogue. It, it was, you know, there was or very little. There wasn't much to suggest you'd have to read. There was just like ninety seconds of amazing action. You know, sure. and it was a fantastic trailer because it's a fantastic film. But you know, it was it was deliberately kind of cutting these things out. You look at the poster, you see the man's back. There's no Asian faces on that poster. Sure. You know, even like the UK release, they had SWAT written on his back. There's no SWAT team in that film, you know. But it was, you know, it was put in there to almost like hoodwink people into thinking that it's not foreign, yeah, <laughs> therefore you can enjoy it. Yeah. At that point, they've bought it, might give it a go, and, and they shouldn't be disappointed because there's nothing to be disappointed about. Yeah. But the fact is, an, an English language remake has been on the cast since day one, you know, because they know that that can still go yeah. so much bigger I mean yeah The Raid is a huge film but I don't think my dad's heard of it you know yeah. I understand why they do it but sometimes I do get frustrated with people's you know reluctance to just try something that you don't understand sure. you might grow because of it you yeah know? particularly if it's an absolutely amazing um, uh, movie that happens to be in another language yeah but that doesn't get into mainstream cinemas where more people could watch it but then the latest Adam Sandler comedy does do you yeah. see what I mean so that's that's the yeah that's I mean, the unfortunate think, thing isn't it really I guess now, I think people who like Amazon no, no, no exactly I mean there's room for everything but you sure. think almost nowadays the way that like the film industry is there'd actually be more opportunities to try something different in the cinemas because otherwise you're just getting you know three months of Star Wars back to back of you know? course yeah. again not knocking Star Wars love not Star Wars that, but yeah. you know, I there's plenty mean, of scope to show something different but yeah. it's you know people aren't willing to pay to do this and therefore cinema programmers cannot take that risk and therefore distributors can't even take that risk of acquiring it you yeah, know it's of course we're very much dumbing down our our culture unfortunately at the moment what are you doing i just slipped but isn't there also a trend now and uh, maybe which we could we could talk a little bit about this with the way that china in particular um, you know, it's going to be the world's leading cinema markets, I believe, mm. the amount of money that the box office makes in China, that we'll start seeing a role reversal where, you know, it won't be America remaking foreign films, it'll be, say, China remaking American products. Do you, do you, yeah. do you see what I mean? I mean, we're starting to see that a little bit now already. Yeah, we? I mean, you know, the, the US film industry is desperate to jump into bed with China, as is the UK film industry, you know, because it's the film industry's always gone where the money has gone. Yeah. You know that's obviously going to be the way it works because you know that's how you survive, right? And it's yeah. at the moment you're at a position where it's like nothing especially interesting has come out of it. It's just like let's get a couple of Western actors with a couple of big Asian actors and not make something that would have been especially better had it just been you know sure. Asian actors or the other way around. You know, but this is how you kind of set up these partnerships, I guess. I mean, the interesting thing is. Like the big US blockbusters now are very much backed by Chinese money. Not all of them, but things like you know the latest Mission Impossible. There's a massive like Alibaba credit at the beginning, and that's you know that's an online marketplace. It's nothing to do with the film industry, but it's obviously just a huge pool of wealth and wanting to get into the the film industry. Now, when I watched the film, I didn't really see any reference to no. Alibaba.com no. or. Uh, you know, or even really much, I don't think there's any Chinese actors in there, but apparently what they do is there'll be a few scenes, should be for the Chinese market, that will feature like uh, 
uh, was uh, Fan Bingbing, Lee Bingbing, whatever, yeah. you know, or just someone that, that's famous there for like 30 seconds that's that gets right. cut from the UK, US, Australian releases because yeah. it's probably not even relevant to the film, but the, the Chinese poster will have them <laughs> in the front. Of course, to, yeah. they did it with Iron Man. I they think, did it with Iron Man, Man yeah. Three, yeah. 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 Andy Lau was, uh, apparently had a, had a scene in it, which I, mean, I haven't even seen it anyway, but apparently didn't make the final cut to sure. Western audiences. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? And the way that that's going. Do you think that there'll, you, there'll be more and more of that in the in the years ahead? I think it's inevitable as much as, like, that's where the money's going to come from. And, mm-hmm. you know, can only look at it in a positive way that effect, eventually they will pull their resources in a way to make really good movies rather yeah. than just trying to make... You know, generic blockbusters. Sure. But that's where you've got to start, I guess. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, what you are seeing in China now is there is a lot of really amazing independent filmmakers out there that aren't really finding an audience apart from the European festivals. Yeah. You know, they don't get a release over here. I'm in a very fortunate position to get to watch a lot of them because I have to you know, consider them for UK release or for festival programming. Sure. Some of them have been chosen for our festival. Generally, we haven't released any of them because, you know, you're just not going to make your money back, unfortunately. And, you know, there's other labels aren't really looking into this at the, at the moment because, same reason, even if you've got money, you don't want to throw it away just no. to try and do something worthy. Yeah. You know? yeah. But, you know, if, if these people can continue to make great films, who knows where the industry will be in the next maybe five to ten years. You yeah. know, you know the, the new generation could be making much more interesting, commercially viable films. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, now, you're finished. <laughs> huh? Finished? You idiots couldn't finish anything. Huh? <laughs> okay, so the movies that you do pick up for release, yeah. Um, how does that work then? What's the sort of hoops that you've got to jump through to get a film? If you, if you see a, a movie and you think, oh, this would be great to go on our label, how, how does that process work? It can depend on the film, to be honest. I mean, if we're talking about the Kung Fu film specifically, that's not especially difficult for us because, um, you know, they're already represented by sales agents and there aren't many other labels interested in releasing them. Mm -hmm. So we have a look through them. Uh, You know, the prices are relatively affordable. And, you know, because they don't have high expectations for them, most of them are like 30-odd years old. They don't really expect someone to come in offering big money for it so we kind of go through the list look, look at what maybe hasn't been available before or sure. what's got particularly good materials available yeah. or what's just got really good choreography you know I spend a lot of time just clicking through links of films that are sent for me and, and then if I like one start the process but then yeah. you know what the quality of the link might not be the same as the final product you know sometimes I've seen things that um the, uh, the screener for, for like testing purposes will be in one language the actual master will be in another language kind of thing sometimes there's no sub files etc sure. so um, there's often a lot to do with that with regards to like making sure you get it subbed or if you have a dub version getting artwork for, for kung fu films again they're so old finding good artwork is almost impossible sure. you know you get maybe get screen grabs uh Guy we often speak to is you know the the hero of, of kung fu cinema Toby Russell. Yeah. You know he's the main man. He's got everything. He's, yeah. he's I dare say he's sitting on an Aladdin's cave of just you know amazing memorabilia merchandise and everything. You know he often <laughs> helps us find images because he'll have like the original Taiwanese poster sure. or something. Yeah, you know yeah. so he'll just have that lying yeah. around somewhere. Yeah, that's not bad. Well, I told you. Ha! 
when I first joined Terracotta, or when we first started doing acquisitions, you know, one thing that I was always quite keen on was getting into old kung fu films because. I got into it briefly as a younger man and then they, they kind of disappeared and I knew there was more out there that I hadn't had the chance to see. No one was selling them here. I mean, all the classic well-knowns are still available, but there's, you know, there was more that I would have liked to dig through. So, you know, there are industry databases where you can, you know, just search company names, search the name of a film, etc. Also, we go, we travel a lot to film festivals and meet the sales agents. So, you know, they'll have their catalogue of what's available so a couple of years ago, I sent a bunch of PDFs of 1970s, 1980s Chinese language films. Uh, some of them were crime films, some of them were action films, some yeah. of them were martial arts films, some of them were Did the names ring any bells with you or was yeah, it yeah, just... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, some of them not, but, you know, some of them just have their original Cantonese or Mandarin name, for instance. Sure. You know, you look at the artwork, you look at the name, you look at the cast, draw up a shortlist. Yeah. A couple of weeks later, you'll maybe get like a, a link to watch it on Vimeo or what have you or on yeah, their own screening room something protected so the first one was Hero Shaolin is that the first, yeah, that's the first, first one that was the first release yeah. yeah so the first one I actually decided that I definitely wanted was actually Shanghai 13 great movie yeah you know just yeah. the cast alone you know I started watching it five minutes it was like yeah just so much amazing action I was like yeah I yeah. definitely want this and then I was just trying to find a few more you know we had a couple of others that I really wanted including Hero of Shaolin yeah Turned out couldn't release two of them at the time because the materials were, were bad. Something we're still trying to work on in the background to see if we can do them, so I can't name them yet. But, sure, um, yeah. okay. But when you say the materials are bad, do you mean that the actual, the quality of the print of the film? Yeah, exactly. Like the actual yeah, source okay. that you'll be you know, making your DVD from... Is not good. No, because some of them are like just based from old cinema reels that have been stacked up and smoked on and left out in the rain and you know well this, so here's the thing and you know we're quite similar age I think and we probably grew up watching these movies yeah. when you used to get the old basically bootleg VHS terrible dubbing where the yeah. screen it, sometimes the camera would you know the the fight scene would be off on the edges yeah, and it yeah. didn't even make sense of it so you must have uh, a clear set of criteria of what you deem as being worthy enough to to be able to release yeah there have been a couple of films that I would still like to have released as they are but um, one thing it's not so much that we have a, have a criteria as long as it's like all in frame as long yeah. as it's, it's you know the sound quality is decent and you can see what's going on we do bear in mind that these films are 30 years old and that something has never something better than that hasn't been released. Yeah, of course. But, you know, at the same time, if you want people to buy something, you know, you can't give them something that looks like it's pirated, you know. Yeah. So it's, it is quite a delicate balance, actually, to find, you know, what, yeah. you know, we've had to pass on quite a few, unfortunately. And I guess in this day and age where you've got sort of Blu-ray DVDs and you've got people's expectations of, you know, what they're buying. Well, Fanboys want... A physical copy that they can have, and you know they're all about 4K restorations, etc. Sure, you sure. know, and um, and you I don't see that. that in this in the kung fu movie world. It's not very common. Yeah, uh, two reasons why. One, it's because you know the older does you, you can't polish a turd. You know, <laughs> this is it. Yeah, yeah. And but also, um, the fact is, the expense of doing it, you'll never make it back. Yeah. You know, as diehard as fans are, there's not enough of them. Mm -hmm. and that is the bottom line. So when you get other questions, why don't you do Blu-ray? Is that because we'd be bankrupt? Yeah, yeah. I see. And yeah, yeah, we're very fortunate that Hero of Shaolin and Shanghai 13 were really great, pristine. Yeah, really good. Yeah. And I don't remember Shanghai 13 in particular having a UK release, certainly not on DVD. I don't remember seeing it. I don't think it did, no. I mean, that was part of my criteria as well. Was like, you know, you... You never really find out for sure, but I mean, you quick Amazon look, you'll, you'll see if, if there was one made, chances are there's still one floating around, or there's one saying none available, or one available 2,000 quid. Yeah, you know? exactly. Or it's like some dodgy copy from from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that going yeah. on. But also, you can you check with a sales agent, chances are they'll know for sure, yeah. or you know, sometimes there is no records, they'll be like, no, sure. I don't think so. Toby Russell, though, will we'll always know. Yeah, <laughs> so, he's, he's the guy. He's the guy, he's the guy yeah. The guy. Uh, wow, I guess you really know how to fight. But still, I can handle him. King of Fists and Dollars is, uh, that's an old David Chang. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what was your thinking with that title then? Was that part of the part of the bundle? or? It was actually from a, a different seller. Seller, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, 
with that, I was actually just drawn to the title. I like the title. Yeah, Aladdin Screener. Yeah, watched it. I really liked the colours. I really liked the sets, and it was different to the other ones we did. It's more like a kind of classic. It's like a Chinese opera. Types yeah. Type, yeah, no, exactly. You know, we hadn't actually done any of them. And, you yeah. know, and you know, that, those are possibly the ones that people like the most. That seem to be a bit more satisfying. Yeah, you know, something with a bit of peril behind it, and a bit something you can really get behind. And obviously, yeah, you did have the David Chang element. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and then, obviously, recently, Nine Demons has just come out. Yeah, um, and that's a that's another crazy Chang Che movie. Yeah. How well are these selling? I mean, they're selling quite well. Are you getting quite a good feedback from from the old school company? Yeah, you know, it's the the fans do love it. They're yeah. grateful for it because there's you know no one else really doing it. Yeah. you know, there's new fans coming to it, which is great. You do get the odd negativity. Oh, why is it, it the Cantonese dub? I want the original hokey and Taiwanese dub. Some people yeah, are just you know, never that kind of thing, and you know, and also you know, some people you, you'll get conflicting arguments yeah. oh this is a pristine print oh, very poor quality but that might be someone that doesn't really appreciate that this film is 30 years old sure. <laughs> you know yeah, it is yeah, yeah. A, you can't really make it much better than that without it looking weird yeah. You, know, yeah you still want it to look like a film not like a PlayStation game or... yes of course um, uh, but, but but generally good good feedback do you think you'll you'll be looking to do more of these comfort yeah we're, we're certainly looking into we haven't got anything confirmed because a lot of it is down to what I was saying before about you know are they releasable yeah. and you know we do honestly have to do the real maths as well are they worth what we're putting into it financially sure. because although they might not be expensive compared to like a new release they're still expensive in yeah. their own right yeah. um, you know you still have to have pay the same fees to get artwork to get subtitles to get BBFC than if you were releasing you know the most commercially viable box, box office film you know and that is something that really is a point of contention for indie labels is that you know we're really struggling to make our money back yeah Regardless, so um, you know, people do buy them, but you know, they don't get into Morrison's and Tesco's. You know, where you know, if they were, maybe we might sell a bit more. It is purely uh, Amazon HMV kind of audience. I mean, what I'm finding now, like Nine Demons, the release was put back a little bit because we had some problems with the materials at first. Like there was some, I don't know what it was. It wasn't me that dealt with it at that point, but there was something that was wrong with it. So we had to send it back to China. They had to restore that part of it, send it back to us. So we'd already announced it, and because it was put back a bit, we had that little gap where we got quite a lot of pre-orders from Amazon, from people that had already, you know, bought our other ones. Whereas, say, here of Shaolin, we didn't get any pre-orders because no one was re- well. I mean, maybe one or two, but because you know, a lot of people just didn't really they weren't in the market for that kind of thing. So yeah. They didn't know, you know, once you've got four in front of it yeah. and everyone's bought them four, they want the fifth. Of course. So, in that respect, maybe it would make sense to carry on if the people that we're sending to enjoy it enough and still want to buy it you know, we'd have to do some proper number crunching but yeah. I enjoy acquiring them you know it's one of the things I like most yeah. out of the job really is yeah. you know just it's not just that I like watching action films it's more that I love bringing that element of the undiscovered you know I mean the reason I got into these films in the first place as like a 15 year old because it was just so different to anything else I'd seen you know maybe in like the mid 90s I got kind of into uh more world cinema, I guess, and this, that, and the other. And it starts yeah. uh, opening your up. You know, I think it was... I got into Asian cinema because Reservoir Dogs was based on City on Fire. Sure. Then I'd heard that Star Wars was based on a Japanese film. Yeah. I was like, oh, I need to look at films from this part of the world. And because I'd liked Bruce Lee as a kid, and then I was into Wu-Tang Clan, and I was into other hip-hop that would often sample some of, of these things. You end up buying these Shaw Brothers films you know yeah. I've never heard of Shaw Brothers I've never heard of Gordon Liu or whatever you know yeah. but you just buy it because it looked cool and sure. you know in those days I probably had about 10 films not really a collection as such but for someone that was probably earning about £30 a week yeah. and those films are 10 to £20 yeah, each even then it's a lot of money can you remember what those initial titles were uh, was they first? were the first one I think was Shaolin vs Wu-Tang just because of that's a name. great film yeah, yeah um Treasure Hunters. Yeah, okay. That's probably one of my favourites yeah, still. Yeah, I've sure. never seen anything like that at the sure. time. Barefoot Kid, like the Aaron yeah, Cock. Yeah, right. yeah. um, and Toby Russell put out a lot of these. Yeah, well, this is it, you know. It's, it's, it's crazy that, like, you know, I mean, I, I didn't really know the name at the time, but then, yeah. you know, these people that bring you so much joy, you know, you end up working with them. Of you course. end up with kind of 
I had him on doing what they're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is nuts. Yeah. Some and like the the other thing with that is slightly getting off topic, but as I was saying before about the uh, the hip hop element, you know, um, there was like a big interest in kung fu films of a lot of the UK hip hop DJs and producers. You know, there'd often be a lot of like scratching these sounds or something. Sure. These there was an artist called Depth Charge. Um, and his album was called Five Deadly Venoms and it had yeah, yeah, again yeah. all these all this dialogue and um, you know I now see like his name crop up with, with like Toby and Ricky Baker's events yeah. and stuff and it's like wow all these people that I'd like aspire to be like as a kid yeah, yeah. and now kind of coming there yeah you know, so yeah what else did I buy um, I think Moon Warriors yeah. Saviour of the Soul and these would have been on VHS oh yeah yeah. This is, I don't think the DVD had come out at that no. point <laughs> and no but one was selling Laserdisc no <laughs> No, the Laserdisc thing sort of bypassed me, really. But, oh, yeah, uh, I never owned one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was always impressed, even with the VHSs that Toby and Ricky were putting out on, say, the Eastern Heroes label. Yeah. Uh, they were good quality prints, a lot of subtitling as well. Like, yeah. It was always a good no, product that they yeah. put out as well. I think from a, for a Western audience, just getting that initiation into that sort of world, I guess, that's a good entry point. We it? completely took for granted that this was actually just put together by a couple of fanatics rather than some massive film studio. Yeah. You know, you, it, you'd never know any different. I mean, obviously, if you're not in the film industry, which most people aren't, you have no idea that no. Like, there's just a couple of a small team of people who are just really passionate about what they do, bringing yeah. this to you. And that's, I guess, what I was saying before that, I love bringing it to people. You know, I like finding things that no one else had and now I'm in a position where I can give rather than just consume. I've killed many men with this pole, but still, I don't want to kill you yet. I was working in a sheet metal factory up until I was like 21. I was trying to make music. I was like, you, me and my my friends went to film school. We were harking the idea of making films or messing about with cameras. Never really knowing how you actually do it, as most people don't. Eventually, you know, moved to London, not with any real aspirations to do something in particular, just to kind of try something else. And, you know, the beauty of a city like this is there's just so much going on, there's so many people around. It, um, I'd always had the interest in film. I never knew, I didn't even know what film distribution was till probably about seven years ago when I was, you know, looking into, I think maybe it just been to like, you know, the BFI or the Curzon and you start to notice like different labels on DVDs and you look at oh that's that's the distributor I'm like oh I'd like to be distribution and yeah it kind of came with that just, I found that kind of curiosity yeah uh, I was lucky that my girlfriend was working in a cinema at the time very lucky us like do you know any distribution yeah, yeah. companies that you got and uh you know she put it out to management who then uh put a few feeders out I eventually ended up landing a good internship at Soda Pictures yeah okay. and um yeah I'm great company you know one of the best distributors sure. in the UK uh, came out of that uh, went straight to Terracotta because I you know they, they released a Korean film called Trudus Mountain really amazing like art house indie film mm-hmm. and uh, you know they knew that I was into Asian cinemas and into Asian culture they put me in touch with Joey from Terracotta and that was that really you know been there yeah. since <laughs> you know yeah, it's like yeah. it certainly wasn't something I could have planned to do sure. or tried to get into if I you know it just happened you yeah. know it's, and I think that's how Terracotta kind of came about in the first place before I joined because it had been running for a year before I was involved I think it was just that uh, like Joey and his wife you know like Joey's family are from Hong Kong and Malaysia he'd grown up watching Asian cinema uh, I think his wife's of Vietnamese like, like British Vietnamese descent she'd grown up watching Vietnamese and Cantonese films and you know I think they just saw that something was missing and just uh, you know, started a, a small festival, and then you know, from that started a label, and then because the know. the label, yeah, the label came out of the festival. The festival was just something that Joey wanted to to put on then to introduce and to show. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just to you know, kind of the same motivation as me, just to yeah. like you know, probably thought I'm really into this. I reckon there's other people that are into it as well. Yeah, for the I guess for the older titles, say like the old kung fu stuff, there's still definitely a market there for the DVD market. People who still want to own and collect yeah. this kind of stuff. Um, but just generally, you know, you're seeing the growth of so many streaming services and everything yeah. is moving online. I just wonder what your take is on that, and you know, is that is that causing any sort of conflicts or trouble with, you know, selling uh, DVD products, actual... Not, not as such, I mean, it, it doesn't really affect 
the DVD sales and such, but I mean, as a company nowadays, if you really want to actually make money, you have to sell it to Netflix yeah. or you have to sell it to Amazon. Yeah. And, and where they're not buying from the small guys, it affects us in that way. So, you know, we can still cater to our audience. We can't really grow that audience is, is the difficulty, you know. Although, you know, if you see on Netflix now, they've got quite a bunch of Shaw Brothers films on there. They do, yeah. And Amazon Prime has some old Jackie Chan films yeah, on yeah. there. And I don't know how well they do. We don't really get numbers on that. But I guess if they were doing super well, they'd be beating down our doors to have our yeah, products. So, so do you um, think that's right? But there's nothing to stop Netflix, you know, sending you, you know, phoning you guys up. And oh, absolutely. You know, no, I mean, we, we haven't aggregated that, you know, deals with all the platforms Mm. And you know that be that the major ones or the the, the startups or the you know the more more niche ones. You know yeah. we are very much trying to grow in the digital realm. Yeah, I think uh, our key audience though is one that is into ownership, especially with the kung fu stuff. Sure, it's just the way that people consume differently now. I think we're of that jet set yeah, generation yeah. where we grew up wanting the collection and having yeah. a DVD and owning the hard copy. And I think that's something that does still exist. I mean, there will always be people that, you know, like to think that, you know, your film collection, your music collection reflects who you are and you yeah. want to show it off and you enjoy looking at it. What danger you're, you're running into, though, is that um, if you don't make it available to people in the first place, they might not know that they're, you know, that that they could be into these sure. kind of things. I think, you know, we're in a, a convenience culture nowadays that is at the expense of culture. And I, I know I sound like maybe kind of antiquated, but um, <laughs> I, I really do believe that, that you know, yeah. people will just watch something that's put in front of them rather than try and set something out for themselves. But then at the same time, when I saw those Shaw Brothers movies on Netflix, part of me was like, okay, that is, that is good because they're, and particularly the ones that they'd selected, they're good entry level. Yeah, kind of they're the movies. classics. That, they're the yeah. classics that you can't go wrong with. Yeah. And yes, you're right. Maybe if that sparks something, and then it takes them on a different route, and then you know they're buying the full terracotta kung fu DVD collection. Yeah, that's not too bad. I think it's you know always been the same problem. That I think if you go back. 15, 16 years when Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out, you know, it was a massive film. Sure. It didn't mean that suddenly everyone was a Wujia fan, yeah. but it probably meant that maybe 1% of the people that watched it were, and they would have bought these Eastern Hero tapes or Absolutely. whatever DVDs were out. So we're hoping that, you know, we can still have them of that people that might watch, you know, there's that Daniel Wu, Scotter series now that Enter the Badlands. Maybe people will watch that and, you know, that will open their eyes. You guys are, are pretty much the only ones in the UK releasing this stuff yeah it's almost become harder to get the physical copies of it um i just wonder what your well i think like once something kind of is taken out of the public concerts it just uh, if it's not on the shelves people won't look for it sure if you've bought a million kung fu films from amazon then you'll get these emails saying why did you buy that yeah so you've you've got it that kind of way i guess but um yeah yeah you know it, it is it is closing yeah. all the time. I mean, we're not, it's quite, it's quite weird, we're not the only ones now in a way. Almost I felt that like once we did it, there seemed to be a bit of a small resurgence in a way with the fact that um, uh, Warner Brothers, for instance, they own the Golden yeah, Harvest back right. catalogue and now they've done like Pedicab Driver, done a yeah. bunch of others. But they're not, you know, again, they're not even, they're not in cinemas for sure, but they're not even in supermarkets. I, as far as I know, they are printed to order because so if you buy it on Amazon they'll run you off a DVD and send it to you Is rather than right? yeah that's, that's what I've had yeah and then there's, a, there's another new company I think they're called Medium Rare or something okay. they did a re-release of the story of Riccio yeah okay um, and I've heard they've actually got a bunch of Bruce Lee titles as well well we were lucky to grow up I guess in the 90s and 2000s yeah. when DVDs were really big and then the Hong Kong Legends stuff came out yeah. and you've got all these great movies that have been you know digitally remastered and had all these extras and audio commentaries and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Uh, but I guess since then particularly in the UK you know that's the if you can get the old Hong Kong Legends on Amazon if you can get that copy, yeah. then, that's, then that's good isn't it but yeah. it's not you know nothing sort of since really I guess yeah I mean that, that's the current market is that like anything you want if you know it's there you can find it yeah. and you can get it you, you know but 
but otherwise for something to be mainstream it has to be current it has to have someone super famous in yeah, it and it has to have a massive massive marketing campaign yeah. behind it yeah yeah um, what just and when you acquire these films, like how long's the license? Like, so how long do you have these these films? Can you release varies, these films? You know, it just varies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll usually ask for standard terms of usually something like seven to ten years. Yeah. Sometimes it will just go on. Sometimes it will be less. It really depends on the sure. producer of the film and what they want. But um, yeah, generally so you, could, you could package together quite a big. If you if you continue down the see the classic come through route and you see some more titles coming in. You could get quite a good collection going on. No, we really could, but it really would take a lot of capital to, um, you know, uh, not just pay for the copyright and the actual manufacture, but the time put into it. You know, you might want to get some bigger titles and, and pay a bit more mm, or what yeah. have you. Um, you might need to spend some money on doing up the quality a bit more if you're really trying to take it to a next level. Yeah. You're looking at a good few hundred thousand, you know. It's, mm. Is that roughly how much that that what well, just on one on one oh, on, on, a, on like a package, on yeah, a package. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you never know; you might make that back really quickly, or you might never make it back. You know, it's, it is quite. You just need to grab that movie like the Rays, don't you? Before anyone else, you does. need to hit so right, yeah. yeah. That just takes a little off, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Richard, thank you so much for for talking to me. Yeah, no best problem. Because it thank does you. the 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 movies and the way it looks and the packaging and the whole the whole thing is really cool. So thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah, you know we. We are planning more releases. You know, we don't have anything announced at the moment, but we always announce via our press releases or via our websites. We've got a few things in, in the pipeline. We also have a non-Asian film label called Sharp Teeth Films, which we launched last year. Uh, that's mostly been world independent horror. We've also released a documentary called Rubble Kings, which has done quite well. We're looking for all kinds of stuff to release on that label as well. Just yeah. to, you know, we we love Asian cinema, but we also love a lot of other stuff yeah, you know, and there's a whole host of stuff out there so you know we're trying to expand and you know hopefully we could be one of the UK's authorities on independent cinema so yeah. you know, we'll see how it goes awesome <laughs> yeah cool okay best of luck Richard thank you very much cool, man. thank you very much you're welcome Well, well, there we go. That was my chat with Richard Geddes. Really great to sit and talk to him. Remember, you can check out all of the great titles they have available on the Terracotta distribution label by logging onto their website at www.terracottadistribution.com. You can also follow them on Twitter. Their Twitter handle is at terracotta underscore D-I-S-T. Thanks again to George Dennis and Mark Durrant at the South London Media Hub for their ongoing technical support and encouragement with the podcast. Thank you very much to those guys. So we are going on a little mid-season break. Uh, I'll be going on my holidays. I'm off to Hong Kong and Australia. Thank you very much. Uh, And uh, I will be back with you in four weeks' time when the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast will return. Thank you for your support and thank you for downloading and listening to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. I will see you in four weeks' time. Take care of yourself. Until then, bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.